0: What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way
1: to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. 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 Welcome, listener, to chapter 121 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Society of the Spectacle episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokitansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. The long shadow of the deep state casts itself across
2: the crowd, gathered to finally hear the seven trumpets sound. But as they gaze up at their monolith-shaped savior, and the minutes pass, the statuesque man emits no call. Murmurs make their way through the dark masses.
3: Is this not the end? Has the storm been delayed?
2: Soon anger erupts, not at the president, of course, but rather at the shadows blanketing the crowd. People turn on one another as they scramble for the thinning slivers of remaining light. Grifters and merchants, once talentless nobodies, spring up from the crowd to embolden and monetize the despair and fury. Then a solitary sound, like the dying note of some ancient instrument. The masses watch in horror and elation as their savior's body begins disintegrating. And for just a moment, faces in the crowd are illuminated by stray beams of light. But not for long. Just as the president disappears, a smoke-like miasma fills his space, hanging malevolently. In it, faces appear, cycling wildly. H.W. Bush, Richard Brannan, John Foster Dulles, Jared from Subway. Furious, the crowd bays at the shapeless monolith, demanding the return of the shadow cast by that other guy, the one they like. Soon they are fighting among themselves in the darkness once more. But the monolith remains. This week, we've invited Matt Chrisman of Chapo Trap House to lead us further into the blinding light of our society of the spectacle. Along the way, we'll touch on disputed concepts like the deep state and fighting disinformation, but also the current rifts forming in the Republican Party and the possibility of a new collective project in spite of our current homo economicus-shaped prison cells. And Liv Posting will be joining us. She had some
3: questions for him as well. But before all that, QAnon QAnon News. News. First up, Senate Democrats request a threat assessment of QAnon from the FBI. A group of 14 Senate Democrats, including Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, Tammy Baldwin, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders, wrote FBI Director Christopher Wray to request a full accounting of the threat posed by QAnon. They also requested analysis on, quote, the role of foreign influence actors in nurturing and amplifying QAnon. Chuck Schumer posted this tweet after the request was announced.
1: QAnon is a threat to our democratic institutions. (laughs) Their disinformation has amplified hatred and violence. We are demanding that the FBI be upfront about the threat to our democracy and national security posed by
3: QAnon movements, foreign and domestic. So, I mean, this might be, uh, I mean, a genuinely interesting pivot for the uh, Biden administration is that they may look more deeply into right wing extremism, you know, in the in the U.S. And that might mean. We're going to get captured by the deep state, you know, finally. We'll we'll, we'll see. For my next story, uh, Sidney Powell's final Kraken lawsuit dismissed by the courts.
2: Oh, the final wet fart and yes. just a long, just. humiliating series of squeakers.
1: <laughs> the last tentacle of the Kraken has been <laughs> severed from its behemoth body. Cast out into the sea.
3: So, QAnon lawyer Sidney Powell has filed lawsuits in Michigan, Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin as part of a campaign to overturn the results of the election. The last of these cracking lawsuits, the Wisconsin one, was finally dismissed by U.S. District Judge Pamela Pepper in a 45-page ruling. That ruling says this in part: Federal judges do not appoint the
1: president in this country. One wonders why the plaintiffs came to federal court and asked a federal judge to do so. After a week of sometimes odd and often hairy litigation, the court is no closer to answering the why. But this federal court has no authority or jurisdiction
3: to grant the relief the remaining plaintiff seeks. After that uh, ruling, Sidney Powell retweeted a tweet by QAnon promoter Major Patriot, which says this.
0: I don't want Trump to win as a result of a court ruling. I don't want Trump to win as the result of military action. I want Trump to win when Biden and Harris not only concede, but also confess their crimes on national television in order to avoid capital punishment. Hashtag, we have it all.
3: Awfully baffling for a lawyer to say, I don't want to win in court, that doesn't matter to me. Adding to the legal failures of the allies of the Trump campaign, the Supreme Court rejected a suit filed by Texas seeking to prevent Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin from casting their electoral votes for Biden. Adding insult to injury, none of the three justices appointed by Trump dissented. That's what happens when you appoint
2: someone to a lifetime position and then you can't take it back. Like, they don't give a shit. No, no, yeah, that's the point. they don't the give point. a fuck it's about like Vegas, you. They can
3: say fuck off forever, you know? Uh,
2: especially if your, yeah, your latest, I guess, attempt to, to do something in politics is just a, an enormous, humiliating, pant-shitting show.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this development evidently demoralized a lot of digital soldiers. So one of the original QAnon promoters, Tracy Diaz, a.k.a. Tracy Beans, took the Periscope to berate anyone who felt like it was over and Biden really was going to be president. In a, in a war, when you lose a battle, you don't cry in your Cheerios and go home. We would never have gotten anywhere in this country if we acted that way when we had lost a battle. If you want to keep fighting for what is right, this election was rightfully won by President Trump. If you want to keep fighting for this country, Until the very last avenue that exists is gone, stay here. If you don't, move out of the way and stop demoralizing the fellow soldiers that are standing on the battlefield who
0: still have the fight in you. Stop demoralizing everybody. Stop it.
3: There's this weird, I don't know, mindset in MAGA world where like acknowledging reality is a kind of defeat. Like just recognizing the fact that you know, I guess it, I guess we fought as good as as good as we can, but it's just inevitability. That's a kind of weakness or a failure in their mind like it's there it's like they think of like the trump presidency as tinkerbell if you stop believing in it then like it goes away it dies
1: i guess it it was always here but they've sort of devolved into sort of like independence day speech it like platitudes just like we will rise on the battle to keep fi-. like it's there's nothing there's no substance there it's it's pure emotion
3: yeah, they just want to feel like warriors. They want to feel like victors and like in like believing that there's some sort of miracle that Trump is going to pull off to make him magically win the election. is just part of you know getting that good high feeling of like you're on the winning side. So what's next for QAnon followers? Many are holding out hope that the military will swoop in and save the day to prevent a Biden administration. They often point to a 2018 executive order signed by Donald Trump titled Executive Order on Imposing Certain Sanctions in the Event of Foreign Interference in the United States Election. Among other things, that executive order requires the director of national intelligence to submit a report on foreign election interference 45 days after the election. So the deadline for that is this coming Friday. Oh, boy. In the QAnon imagination, this coming report will show that China interfered with the election uh, so severely to effectively invalidate it. And this will uh, cause Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act and cement his power via martial law or something. There's a lot of yada yada yada, honestly, with these explanations. Like, there's this report that's going to come out and it's going to be explosive, and then Trump wins. Q1 followers—they're obsessed with these disposable heroes. First, they thought that you know uh, Jeff Sessions was going to rush in and save the day, and then they said trust Ray, and then they saw, saw uh, thought Barr was going to do it, and then Horowitz, and then uh, Durham, of course, mm-hmm. who's now a special. Prosecutor apparently, and and then and then they hope that uh, Ellen Wood was going to do it, and of course Sidney Powell, and of course they've all let them down, and so finally their last sort of ditch effort is the Director of National Intelligence, who is going to re- write a required report, and this will somehow save the day.
1: And honestly, what's most likely to happen is, is that the report will come out, and it'll say just like in 2016, they'll say yes, there were instances of interference, but it was not enough to you know move the needle of the election or affect the election of the affect the election outcome. In any ways, at, at which point the QAnon people will dig in and they'll say, Whoa, well, but there w- there was interference because that's never happened before. You know,
3: other QAnon followers are more accepting of the inevitability of Biden's inauguration. For example, I spotted this tweet thread from a popular QAnon follower named Anon661.
1: What if a Trump second term was never actually part of the plan? We know Trump was merely the face of the alphabet team, not the mastermind. So, hypothetically, let's say Trump loses all of his court battles. Biden and Harris step in and, quote, the plan officially begins. At that point, military intelligence could really show themselves and officially take over the shadow government. Trump couldn't be blamed. He and his family, having served honorably, would be someplace safe while the real battle takes place. I'm just spitballing here, but when you spend as much time thinking about this shit as I do, your brain starts working overtime. Admittedly, line of thinking is well outside of the box but i'm just curious if anyone else has wondered this as well has
3: q ever mentioned a trump second term i love this because i've been waiting for it i've been waiting for the plan that will finally get uh become real during the biden administration and i see a little 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 uh i guess a little trickle of that kind of thinking coming through Mm -hmm. in the qanon community let's see how how popular it gets
2: yeah i think this uh punisher skull wearing a santa hat has a point (laughs) Matt is a co-host of the Chapel Trap House podcast and has been publishing solo vlogs for a while now as well. Welcome back to the show, Matt. I think it's the third time.
4: I believe so, baby. I'm in the Three Strike Club. (laughs) I am now out.
2: Speaking of the three stars, the three strikes, uh, Michael Flynn has been on this kind of tour of of like far right media outlets. I sent you a a few clips. There's like Bongino, of course, but he also went straight up on one of the oldest QAnon shows, In the Matrix and Shady Groove show. And uh, I mean, what do you what do you think of this development? This new, this new Flynn.
4: Get the digital army going. You digitally arm it. You do it, guys. You digitally, you digitally do it. You're you're gonna digitally make it happen. I'm proud of you guys. You're all digital warriors. Uh, I, what I was struck by most of all is just how familiar he sounded in in just that in that he sounds like everybody on every side of the political spectrum who is undergoing the task of trying to convince people that there is any reason to pay attention to politics, that that they have any effect on it. And it's, it, it's this combination of, of, of just con artistry of saying, keep paying attention, keep watching, most importantly, keep funding whatever I'm doing and paying attention to me, uh, uh, and then self-delusion, This the sense that if we keep doing this, it's going to lead to something. But I think uh, whether or not they're aware of it, and really that's the only difference you have is degree of self-awareness among these people. Everybody is at base just trying to monetize directly or indirectly uh, the continued delusional American faith that the political system is in any way uh, – vulnerable to the concentrated will of its citizens even things as powerful as memes well i mean the, the, that's what that's the power of memes is as is as a uh as a soporific and as a placebo you're blasting out memes. You feel like you're accomplishing something. And as long as everybody around is, is invested in telling you you are accomplishing something, including people who you hate, who take those memes seriously because it justifies whatever scam they're running on their credulous uh, supporters, then, uh, then they are powerful. But they'll never do what they're telling you they'll do, which is actually change anything.
1: But,
2: but, there has been change in terms of the sleight of hand just getting shoddier. Do you think? I mean, how shoddy can the sleight of hand get?
4: Well, if there's no alternative, it, it, it'll it'll get as bad as it's allowed to get, which will be very, very bad.
5: <laughs> the The spectacle is so important that, like even the right is doing like basically stolen valor for posting. Like they want them to post so much that it's like you are like a soldier. yeah, <laughs> this is this is your war. It's amazing.
4: Yes. This is your war. This to is your war politics but like, as that's such. On the left rather than just that's being what people a, are being a, convinced a, a of all the time that there's activism an involved, involved mm-hmm. in in tweeting and posting and in and in listening and absorbing media, that it has a tectonic relationship.
1: And on that interview with uh, Matrix and Shady Groove, I mean it sounds like Flynn you know, sort of hints that he's launching some kind of online platform. For the digital soldiers, you know, watch
2: this space. On re listen, I think he was basically kind of talk. He's just very bad at, at speaking. Just b- bottom line, <laughs> forming sentences. So the digital soldiers thing, I think he meant to say like, "You are the digital soldiers." That's just his code word for the QAnon right. people, like that entire fucking mass of of screaming, uh, screaming people. And then you know y- they're gonna get some capabilities soon. And I think he means mm. I'll give you the intel so you can go and fucking unleash the
4: means Post. and go to, to to protest yeah you you will have I will give me the money I will give you the the, uh, the armor I will arm you for the digital battle to come but but what what is the fraud that I mean a guy like Flynn his success comes in his probable the fact that he doesn't even know that he's scamming these people he's as much scamming himself as anybody because he has the brain of, of, of a fruit fly uh, <laughs> but the central fraud is the idea that there is any kind of relationship here, and what's amazing is is that with this, with the election, you are seeing in real time that the relationship between QAnon and the Republican Party is essentially mirrored to the relationship between the left, whatever you mean by that, and the Democratic Party, because here it like there is an ask here: stop the steal, and you have all these Republican uh, politicians saying we want to stop the steal. We will stop the steal. We're going to do it, and you guys are going to help us do it. But it's not going to happen because the actual interests of the institutional Republican Party have nothing to do with keeping Trump in office and everything to do with maintaining the fiction of the system as such with, with both parties signing off on it. And so they will, in their face over the next month, waiting up until Inauguration Day, string these people along until they're all just standing there with their mouths open watching uh Biden be inaugurated and that will be that will be the closest thing to a uh like great disappointment millerite right. uh come to reality moment as we're going to see and then mm-hmm. the real question will be what comes after that
1: a new narrative where Biden is is actually <laughs> Trump now and and that would they, be amazing <laughs>
2: Behind the scenes, I mean, give them two months of Cyberpunk, they absolutely
1: will. There is no depth. I mean, they already believe in clones. They already believe in microchips. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's just whatever, whoever, whatever random Chan poster, Mm -hmm. Twitter person, or Reddit redditor comes up with the best plot line for you know twenty twenty to twenty twenty four.
2: Trump is actually like a chloroform like looking piglet, you know, that lives like Quato inside. (laughs) Biden's belly now. And you can tell because of the way that Biden's eyes twitch and he repeats words and stuff like that. I want to talk to you also a little bit about, you know, lately we've seen social media companies and other corporations basically allying with the government and the intelligence apparatus to fight what they call disinformation and conspiracy theories, which I, I consider that like our podcast covers that. But I somehow am cringing At uh, their definition of it. So, I mean, what do you what do you think we're looking at here?
4: Well, I mean, what we're looking at here is an attempt to put the genie of a post authority media landscape back in the bottle, which I mean, you cannot do. It just it will not work. Whatever whatever they're going to try. How are they going to try to manufacture some sort of consensus reality? It will not take because the the strings are too visible. everyone knows whose side is on who is who is on what side. everyone knows what platform and which politician and which media company everyone knows in their mind what or they think they know what they stand for. And so there will be no accommodation like the, the all those little notes that quitter is putting on all of Trump's posts to say this is disputed. none of that impacts anyone's actual beliefs about what's happening and can't and there will always be, uh, there always, because there will be this alienation from the official narrative. There will be a huge demand pool for alternatives, and as long as the technology exists to provide people with that, it will be satisfied.
2: And it does seem like the technology is advancing but at the same time there's more surveillance there's now like a denser network of cell phone um, like GPS locations through 5G so do you think that the acceleration of technology will will have that democratizing effect in any way like they can keep fleeing to parlors and clones like that or
4: well it's really it's less about whether or not they actually stamp out these beliefs and change the mind of any of these Republicans than whether or not they're able to to themselves and their shareholders and to some imagined public justify themselves and they'll be able to thanks to, to their hegemonic control and like the monopolization of media and technology they'll be able to do that at whim uh, their their attempts even to assert it is really more about uh just pride honestly uh and and about uh advertising their own power to themselves and to uh the, the people within like the the greater sphere of like the enthralled masses who actually do listen to uh, official narratives, than about changing the opinions of anyone outside of that. Because at the end of the day, all our iron opinions. All these QAnon people, except for you know the most febrile tendrils of of, uh, of uh, instability, are just consumers like everybody else, and and their contribution to politics, no matter how alienated they get from from. Uh, The establishment version of reality will amount to purchases it will amount to spectacles of uh of indulgence like going to these protests or wearing a shirt or annoying their family members but nothing (laughs) that cannot be uh, absorbed and recuperated uh within the greater system yeah
5: and it seems like even like the leaders of the movements are themselves sort of subsumed into the spectacle as we see with how much reality TV Trump watches and like something you mentioned before about how like Flynn there's a certain element of Flynn that is sincere not cynical that he sort of believes yeah. it too and it seems like that's yeah. a, a very particular phenomenon I guess of the Republicans like it seems like a lot of the Democrats still have this sort of cynical distance to the base but, you know, inevitably, yeah. it seems like they will also be, like, subsumed into the spectacle.
4: Yeah, everyone has to be subsumed, even if you're a part of this machinery at any level of power. You have to have a story you tell yourself every day about why you're doing it. And with Republicans, you see the process, since Reagan, of the true believers getting, like, slowly marching up into the highest echelons of power. They're not fully there yet, but you can see the move. Uh, and that's that's because the uh, there's less... Cognitive dissonance between being a Republican elected official or a media figure and carrying out like the Republican agenda, the actual one, as opposed to the public face of it. Whereas there is an inherent tension and conscious tension among Democrats between what they're telling their supporters and what they know is possible, which means that they will take longer— and but I mean they're also hostage to their own ideological insanity, the idea of like pragmatic progressivism that they take seriously. And that's as delusional as the de- as the Republicans belief uh, in you know the secret bases and the, the, the lizard people. But, uh, but more boring, the, the, the function is the same. It's this it, you do this you end up filling the same roles in the same system.
2: I wanted to talk uh, as well about the the concept of the deep state which is now just way more common. It's not just uh, Alex Jones talking about it. You hear it on the left, you hear it on the right and everybody has like a totally different definition for it basically. Do you think it's a useful word at all? I mean, I think it's kind of here to stay anyways, but there you know, what do you think of the different
4: conflicting versions? Well, I mean at this point deep state just means the the the, the deep state is the remainder of, for the math problem of living in an America that has certain values that you assume are enduring and 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 real and that you are a part of and, and And that you are an, and an American people that you imagine yourself psychically to be part of, and America as it's lived and experienced and and as as and that you are alienated from, how can these two things be and the answer is well, there's this deep state that and the thing is is that that's actually accurate that is true like the difference between America as we understand it to be as a project and its man, and its manifestation in the world is it our the functions of the state alienated from the political process that endure regardless of political outcomes. Uh but there's no there's nothing beyond that because even their alienation is immediately rendered sterile by its investment with the uh the narratives of QAnon or or any of the other sort of political fairy tales that we tell ourselves. Because there is no, like, the solution, what's the solution to the deep state? Post. Like, are, I'm sorry, you're telling me that there is, I'm sorry, you're telling me that there is a cabal of people who are actually right next to the the most material expressions of American power in the form of its clandestine services, its military, its uh, surveillance capabilities, its monetary uh, structures. Uh it's ju- judiciary and and uh, and media superstructural elements, and you're gonna post them out of office. You're gonna post them out of their rat holes. Well, I
2: mean, there's posting and then there's journalism, right? Writing an article about Prism is that a form of posting? I mean,
4: yeah, it's all just posting. Like, okay, now you know about Prism. Now what? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah.
4: Oh, you know. Oh, what if it just came out? Yeah, th- you know, those deep underground military bases filled with uh, dissected aliens and. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Cloned uh, celebrities and kidnapped children. Yeah, that's real. Now what?
1: Well, you're right, actually, because the thing is, is like, okay, now you know about Prism. Now what? Well, what? What? The now what is that? You build the narrative that builds off one piece of truth of Prism into something that is completely fantastical. You know, more interesting, like underground bases, like all of that stuff. Not
2: just one humming server. I mean,
1: we see that with QAnon all the time, where they'll take one thing that's true. You know, like like the you know like all the Epstein shit, and then say that well because. That is true. It is also true that Hillary Clinton has mole children, you know, buried under her, you know, Chapataqua, you know, they, uh, farmhouse.
2: They know that the server room is a boring setting too, because they, they had to have a CIA versus
4: uh, what was it? The police
2: fought no, the no, CIA. No, no, was a military yeah, no, it was, raid uh, in
3: Germany.
4: CIA versus uh, uh, army shootout at the Sermer farm in Hamburg. My absolutely my favorite story of the of the QAnon election uh, era for sure. Yeah. Tell me about this map.
2: Uh, this map. Is it good? Is the is this server farm map good? And like what happened there with the CIA? I know you're you've been following this closely. So I want to know w- what was that battle like?
4: Uh, it was intense, man. Uh, there there, <laughs> it was, there was a heavy kinetic engagement between uh, patriotic white headed uh, Defense Department special operators and uh, CIA contractors. Who uh, uh, from Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. Who were there to protect uh, the servers, the stolen Trump ballots, yeah. uh, the aliens, uh, all all of the celebrity clones? Actually, they had to uh, pour chlorine in all the celebrity clone tanks. They lost they lost a whole b- batch. <laughs> uh, it, that's yeah. going to put them back uh, significantly for next year.
5: You sort of elaborated before about how QAnon fits into relation to the spectacle for Republicans. Um, But uh, Mm -hmm. it's interesting how you mentioned how like uh, posting on the left relates to a a sort of a similar relationship to the Democrats, which reminds Mm -hmm. me a lot of uh, the DOJ spent like billions of dollars trying to like um, spy on anarchists on Twitter in Portland. Yeah. And the only thing they found (laughs) was who is canceled. It had literally no actual reference (laughs) to like real organizing on the ground. Which nope. like the Just
4: finding out who who can't show it to, up to the cookout.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exiled from the cookout. This is the raw stuff.
5: This is the raw intelligence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean maybe maybe like uh we can hold the doj accountable if they understand the arguments of why those people are canceled and they can they can do better (laughs) in their own lives
4: i gotta say it would be funny if if the if the anarchists ended up bringing down the deep state just because they observe this culture of you know uh total distrust and paranoia and and self-seeking and it just slowly infects like through the first through the people who watch it uh, you know, in the in the server farms for the NSA or whatever, and then they just slowly bring that into their office politics, and before you know it, everyone in the deep state is denouncing each other <laughs> for problematic content and for yes. acts, and there's just no one there to operate the uh the chemtrail machines and the fluoride brainwashing mechanisms anymore.
5: To a certain extent, more of the political bureaucracy is being integrated into this, I, and I think especially with like Trump, and I wonder what the the conclusions of this sort of aesthetic aestheticization of politics at the upper levels, um, in like a, a really um, more sort of cohesive sense, will have on politics, but I guess to a certain extent, it'll just embolden the spectacle because you know, Trump was amazing for the spectacle. Oh, yeah, he has he has posting brain, he is purely online, and it was it only accelerated it,
4: yeah. And I mean, you might actually get if it goes far enough, you could get a thing where some of this QAnon stuff about like different factions of the government being controlled by different political uh uh factions that might end up coming true you know and they might end up start competing with each other on explicitly ideological grounds but The end result will be the same. It'll essentially just be a further lobotomization of the state's capacity for organization, which we're already seeing. Like the state is supposed to be the executive committee of the bourgeois. They're supposed to take the interests of individual capitalist enterprises and express their collective self-interest and transcend their uh, you know, specific desires that, that they can't see past. Well, you know, the entrepreneurialism of American politics uh, with the breakdown of party discipline means that now everybody at every point is acting like a capitalist within th- the state structure itself for the political angle or uh, at the political level. And then over time, that's inevitably going to filter down into the bureaucracy. And all it will mean is that the state will continue carrying out its role just less competently. So, like, as conditions get worse, as crises accumulate, the state will be at every level from bureaucratic to political, uh, be less able to meet reality as it is emerging. And instead, it's going to be like outcomes are going to be determined by this this spectacular Uh, ideological contest that's not actually connected to any of the real questions that and and crises that need to be resolved yeah
5: you've mentioned that chinese capitalism with chinese characteristics seems to have like a competent state structure that they aren't dealing with a lot of these issues do you wonder if like that will be an issue for them in the future like is this an issue that's eminent to capitalism and capital acceleration
4: it is it is a inevitable outgrowth of capital acceleration but like the difference, really, more than anything, comes down to uh, the the conditions of capitalists emerging in the ca- United States versus in China, and and more specifically, the fact that the United States is the most capitally developed country. It's the it it was the one that wound every other country around itself, especially after World War II, basically, and reshaped the entire global economic order around itself, and China got on board but way later so uh, it's 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 social structures have not been liquefied the way that ours are which means that that the that state capacity to manage capital interests can still be exercised and it seems like they're actually doing that i mean i don't think it it means something that billionaires can get fucking blown away in china that if you if you do two, if you're the wrong billionaire who does the wrong uh type of uh corruption, they will take you in a room and blow your brains out, which is a inconceivable outcome in the United States. Not just go to I mean, just go to jail is an inconceivable outcome. And when you have I mean, that is a difference in state capacity to regulate capital, that is a, a, a distinct uh difference. But I mean, if China takes over they they become the new uh like headquarters of global capitalism, uh if they were able to avoid you know just the accelerated crisis just reducing all social order into you know uh cantons of, of of uh hyper exploitation and they were able to st- to stabilize something out of this, eventually it would happen to them too, but it would it would take a
5: while
1: it would take a long while for them to get to where we are,
5: right right. Their hey.
1: QAnon would be more like a metal gear uh, plotline. <laughs> oh, would be so cool. with like ghosts and vampires. There would, yeah. be, so, it would be it would I rule. Can't yeah, wait no, for that. be Yeah, no.
4: There'd be the hopping vampires would be involved. <laughs>
1: yeah. But it would all be structured like Dark Souls. There would be very little you can't really ever
2: understand what's happening.
5: <laughs> yeah, I would much rather believe that. If that if Chinese QAnon emerges, that would be my ideology when I'm like 70. <laughs> Absolutely. Very nice. Can you elaborate on the pervasive concept of homo economicus? both in general American politics and online relationships.
4: So homo economicus is this term for human nature as conceived by American libertarian economic theory that took over completely after 1980 and is now like the hegemonically enforced conception at the elite level through college and through politics and through media of what it means to be a human. And the premise of is that the human being is a self-seeking economic agent. individual humans exist to advance their own personal economic well-being therefore that what flows from that and the prescriptive element of it is is therefore we need to have institutions that allow for human nature to express itself and the only way to do that healthily is to create a totally frictionless market whereby people can seek that economic advancement now the thing about that is is that that's insanity and in madness and it's <laughs> it's literally brainwashing uh, gibberish as a, as a description of like some fundamental facet of human nature, but what it is is this is an accurate description of what humans act like when you put them in a system that is completely dominated by market relationships so what those economists did was not to discover some truth about human human nature it was to Provide a philosophical and political and ideological justification for turning us into that. Uh, And the thing about it is that a society governed that way, especially one that has access to the technological capacity that we who will destroy itself will destroy its biome because if you are not connected to anything but yourself then everyone will seek their own advancement at the expense of others and at the expense of our collective environment and ecological biome which is not owned by any person which is why homo economicus is an insane concept because we are embedded in biological relationships that transcend our individuality and a society that forgets that will destroy itself as to whether we can overcome it i don't know but if we do it will be because people essentially deprogram themselves and the only way that's going to happen it can't happen through self-contemplation it can't happen through exposure to media or conversation it can only happen through lived experience of connection and those connections breeding an alternative understanding of the self and one's motivation and one's reason for being that allow for coordinated activity. And coordination of, of, of uh, regular people is the only thing that can defeat a structure that depends for its continuation, everyone continuing to act in a lobotomized conception of self-interest
1: right this is like a uh, a reverse therapy session where i'm getting satisfying answers <laughs> to questions that worry me but i coming out of it feeling much worse <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm very sorry <laughs> no i mean it's true i see it in my own life i mean even just these these two years researching QAnon, y- you're observing this sort of um, existential loneliness, and the people that are trying to fix that within themselves are just going down a path that, like, like you said, is never going to result in any kind of meaningful change or happiness. And it's because we've been told and taught and programmed that, like, if you want to really get the most out of being an American, like, you have to do it by advancing your own sort of personal status and 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 collecting wealth and
4: yeah yeah GTA. Mm. That, that, that's why the political, uh, the political thesis and antithesis That is now driving our politics Are the figures of Obama and Trump Which are two alternating conflicting visions of how to do that How to actualize through, self, through the pursuit of self-advancement uh, One is play by the rules And the other is fuck the rules And that's it And now we're going to fight over, over that right. But the basic premise of both is the same Because they're both psychopaths, like both Trump and and, uh, Obama got where they are because they embodied the sociopathy of the moment. They're like those Hegelian figures like Napoleon who embody what the times demand, which is to be fully motivated at like a spiritual level, but by only your own advancement, which is does not come naturally to us and which we fight and which is what makes life in this thing, miserable for so many people. It's not just because people aren't equipped to succeed cognitively or something, that's part of it. Another part is, is that we spiritually seek something else and there's a conflict between those things that hinders us. It makes it impossible to put all of our energy towards that goal. For Trump and Obama, they have a fully sociopathic view where they have completely connect, disconnected themselves from anything beyond themselves, and that means that they can put their entire soul, which they have. We all have souls. They can put their entire souls into a thing that for the rest of us, we just can't do that. Because we, there's a vestige, there's an echo, there's a humanity that we could hear. There's not not just a humanity, but a like a, a a a connection to everything that is there, like faintly in the background. And guys like Obama and Trump represent those who have most successfully adapted to this to the to, to, to the homo economicus model. But we can hear the chants of Pandora.
2: Yes,
5: we live on Pandora. <laughs> we can bring it back. I mean, yeah, essentially we need some sort of meaningful, antithetical, like, world historical figure or movement that actually acts in relation to other people. Yeah. I know you've mentioned, like, John Brown, which is sort of an ideal of this character, someone who transcends their individual relationships for a greater moral cause.
4: Yeah, because, like, John Brown, there were two ways to be against slavery broadly in the antebellum America. There was the middle class moral objection to slavery that people like william lloyd garrison had and then there was the working class and small holding farmer uh material objection to slavery which was generated by the fear of being having to compete with slave labor or having in the future where the south is victorious having you or your family rendered slaves by because of your inability to you know Become a master because you don't have access to the capital to do so, and the moral case was was correct, but it was disconnected from l- the the lived experience. To use a horrible word, of these people, like these comfortable Boston Brahmins, who could just sit around and and drink tea and think about how bad slavery was, for uh, for a rude mechanic or or a small holding farmer their convictions were fired by actual daily struggle and pain and alienation. But that pain and alienation was, because it was so personal, it was not connected to some theoretical idea that like black people are in some way you, are some way part of you. John Brown was able to be the catalytic figure he was because he married the, the moral, spiritual, middle-class objection to slavery with the the small holding personalized misery he was he was a guy who 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 uh, was a poor man his entire life wildly in debt struggled to avoid going to debtor's prison his entire life and so had that agony but that agony did not manifest in a mere concern for him and his family he translated that pain into a universal suffering that he saw that needed to be addressed And it was because he was in that position of lived experience of alienation and pain that that moral objection to slavery could be expressed through a practice that actually accomplished something besides selling newspapers and filling lyceums across the Northeast.
5: I wonder which, like, potential issue has the capacity to do um, that in a modern context. I mean, like, given, I'm thinking like a lot of prison abolitionists think that, like, prison abolition is an extension of the abolition of slavery. And, like, given how important anti-black racism is in, like, the politics and even, like, consciousness of America, that this has really been the catalyst of the, the recent protests. I wonder if the modern contemporary John Brown that might lead us towards a potentially anti-capitalist position could be in relation to, like, police violence, potentially? I, I don't
4: think so. And I think the difference between now and, and that era is that Slavery was the signal issue in politics. It was the issue mm-hmm. that the political parties could not accommodate because it was sectional. And that was because you had these two distinct political cultures in the North and the South. We don't have that now. I would say that the, the slavery of the, of the now is wage slavery, as anti-slavery people like John Brown and Frederick Douglass and Wendell Phillips said at the time. They said, first this, August Willitsch, the, the German communist who became a Civil War general, we, f- we fight to end slavery so that, w- that we can advance the cause of the worker more broadly. And then that cause advanced for a bit, then it came back. And the American history has been the backwash of that failure to advance the struggle to the next stage of conflict. And that, the, if there's a, a meaningful task politically now, it is to sharpen that actual conflict. And I think... The, the challenge then is, what is the issue? And I don't think it could be police violence just because of how siloed it is and how, how its experience is mediated. Like, it's a it's racialized without there being a, uh, a planter class, basically. You know what I mean? Like, there is no planter class of the, of the police state or of the carceral state. There is a planter class of wage slavery, of capitalism... And it's literally the ruling class. But what, like, how, how, what that will be, I don't actually know. But I do know that the the fundamental issue will be the fact that we are that those without access to capital are are being told every day of their lives that the future will be immiseration for them. That their children's lives will be worse than theirs, and worse in ways that they can't even imagine. And that the only thing that will stop that is if we change the way that the economy is structured
5: and i guess yeah it, it needs to be an issue that can't be subsumed into culture war shit. exactly because as soon as it's into the political spectacle then it's just like yep it's melt all the substance melts away yeah
4: and you have uh polarized working the working class people too because they're observing this thing and they're absorbing all of the symbols uh, the the collide the collision of symbolic orders and of uh and of values and all of which are fake but, all of, but are the entirety the sum of like, political uh, uh, identity in this country. And that anything that, that reinforces that will end up just dissolve. because what was the end result of the summer's uprisings? It ended up being vote for Democrats. And it kind of has to be, because it's a question that can be answered, that can be funneled into the partisan conflict like but 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 the questions of like distribution of resources cannot be because neither party wants to redistribute shit right like they won't even make the 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 the, the, um the overtures or the public displays uh like uh the democrats and their cultural allies will about police violence and racism right
5: um slightly unrelated question but uh we're seeing a pseudo split in the or at least an aesthetic one in the Republican Party between the more like Q oriented fringe and the sort of establishment Republicans manifest itself in, for instance, Sidney Powell saying Republicans should not vote in the January fifth <laughs> runoff. Amazing. If the Georg- if the Georgia governor doesn't help flip the state for Trump. Is this like a, a meaningful division in any sense? And like how what is it going to look like do you think after Trump leaves office?
4: I honestly don't know. It depends on a lot of things that I'm not I mean like Trump himself is going to determine a lot of this like tr- it's really up to Trump in a lot of ways and i i don't know what he's going to do it looks now like he's just going to decide that the way cuz all of it's so funny because all of this this entire crisis is entirely precipitated by his refusal to admit that he lost something it's pure ego it has nothing to do with any meaningful political project it, it, which is why the, it, it, the, the idea that like Trumpism can be some vehicle for working-class alienation is absurd. It's entirely bound in one dude's ego, uh, one old COVID-ridden freak's ego. That cannot be translated into anything beyond that. Uh, and so he has been negotiating essentially with himself on how to accommodate losing in a way that will not break his brain. And right now it looks like the only way he can do it is if he essentially acts like, of his presidency, something that is happening without his involvement, but that he can resolve by winning again. And he'll just... It looks like he might just spend this entire term running for re-election. <laughs> and if that's the case, I could, the only thing I can see coming from that is uh, the Republican Party just f- finally and irrevocably revolving around like the specific desires of Trump because they know that that's what his voters like. The one thing I could... i sort of assume is that whatever that form form that takes the republican establishment as such will find a way to accommodate it as they have so far right because they're not pushing for anything that they can't say yes to they're not pushing for anything that is non-negotiable which is not true uh, among the left which is not true uh, among those who are trying to you know challenge the democratic party well we're fucked (laughs) (laughs) Until
2: we're not. People talk about fucking uh, George Soros. They love to do the like puppet thing where it's like he has the strings. (laughs) There's not been a guy in recent history I can think of than Trump who can, against his own party, against anything, he can just move a large amount of the population into anything he chooses. I don't know. That's kind of – is it unique, do you think, Matt? Or is that just – is a repeat of history?
4: We are in new territory just because of how just – of how quickly everything gets absorbed into uh into our understanding of reality and of how much we can pick and choose which reality to live in, so uh like Trump has definitely accelerated to a a, a new point, the degree to which uh, the consensus versions of reality have broken down. But the thing that freaks out a lot of liberals about that, and they say this is terrifying. That uh, I think is is it's in its own way delusional. Is the assumption that that has some sort of resonance that has a meaning beyond uh, just uh, uh, the personnel and and who like who who makes off with the money who get who secures the bag because none of it can change anything. So you heard it, people.
2: Right. Uh, uh, he is saying you need to get online and post the Trump Doctor Manhattan meme, <laughs> and so that understanding will be out there and we'll understand it and it'll be good and it'll change
5: stuff. The funniest possible result is that like. The, Repu- the establishment Republicans, which I guess they wouldn't want to do this, but they, they fully, you know, they see the Trump contingent, like with Sidney Powell saying that you shouldn't vote for the, the runoff as like a as an issue that they don't want. And they sort of try to push it off. And then Trump or some some sort of relation to Trump attempts to make some sort of third party, which is like a. A third point in the spectacle almost
4: yeah you could imagine a world where trump like they seat biden and trump feels betrayed by the republican party and decides to destroy it but he's not really a politician and never has been he is a guy who likes to be on tv if he's going to try to create some third poll it'll be around a different media out uh outlet yeah it would not be a political project i mean what if? and then maybe maybe if it became like dominant enough it would create its own third party, but as I said, I don't think any con, any of the content, any of the political demands of whatever that third like epistemic reality uh, created around Trump, any of it would really be non-negotiable for the Republicans. They would just absorb
5: it. And I, I guess the yeah, Trump fundamentally is just like a dog chasing his own tail. Yeah. Like he he only cares about himself. Yeah. And I the only way to explain the way Trump moves is in relation to how his you know post COVID like sort of on energy saver mode brain would imagine <laughs> would would imagine there be like a benefit yeah, exactly um, yes I- i could imagine him thinking like oh well i love doing rallies because people come out and say they love me yeah no i can see him
4: just keep doing rallies forever but like they don't have to be for anything he just wants to go there and have people say that he's nice if there's gonna be a third party energy (laughs) in this biden hunger chancellorship (laughs) and i sure hope it happens it'll be on the left because left the left demands are not absorbable into the democratic party which means that if some poll uh, opposed to Democratic prerogatives emerges, it will be inherently antagonistic. So it'll have to have its own party structure in opposition to the Democrats.
5: I can imagine both happening, too. That, honestly, yes. It would be easier for the second to happen after the first. Oh, yeah. No, if, if the
4: Dem- if the Republicans, like, if there's some like Trump party that starts eating into the Republican base, that would definitely give a lot more Democratic voters a license to vote for a fourth party because they wouldn't have that disciplinary mechanism in place of you're electing republicans by definition if you don't support democrats
5: where the last party was destroyed through the whigs was over like an explicitly material issue mm-hmm. the ironic twist in history would be that like one of the parties would be destroyed or that other parties would grow out of purely aesthetic issues yeah although that's that's clearly less of a likelihood yeah but i mean
4: if it's if we have a fully aestheticized politics maybe it makes sense that that they will break up on aesthetic lines,
5: mm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Matt, I have a question that relates to uh, how difficult it is to sort of like even discuss any issues with QAnon followers, like individually, one-to-one is the fact that their their imagination is so limited. Like when I try to get them to entertain the idea that their that their whole QAnon worldview is mistaken, they don't, they still, they can't, but they still believe then basically in the adrenochrome farms <laughs> and, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton eating babies and like there's just a hundred thousand people who have committed crimes so heinous they deserve to go to Gitmo (laughs) they still believe all that but they stop believing that there's going to be any justice they stop believing that there's going to be a solution Mm -hmm. and in that sense like they're I feel like they're only the only things that they can see in their imagination is either Q coming to the rescue or complete existential despair Mm -hmm. like why are they why do you suspect they are so constrained And is there any way to, like, you know, get someone who's, like, in that situation to broaden their horizons? Maybe there are greater possibilities about why they feel this way, why they're in this situation, and possible, you know, political solutions.
4: Well, because where would they encounter it? Where would they encounter any alternative explanation for why things are the way they are? Where would they encounter one that would have explanatory or persuasive power in their lives? Not anyone they know, not anyone they talk to day to day, certainly nothing they see in their media feeds they it would never encounter it will not come spontaneously and it never does it comes from cooperation it comes from people discussing things comparing notes understanding uh, uh, mutual experiences of alienation and oppression and we don't have those in this country we have boutique consumer experiences and that means we're only ever on our own to figure out what's happening and what that really ends up meaning is we are at the mercy of the media we consume
2: um
3: cool. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. It's She's so great. great. <laughs> uh,
5: I would also imagine that like Q people really like a simplistic understanding of the world because the world is incredibly complex, difficult to understand. And something like Q, it's almost like theological. It gives you like there are good guys and then there are bad guys yeah. and they're fighting. Yeah. And then well, they'll resolve itself. The,
4: you every everything in culture tells you that's how the world works, including right. the mainstream culture. Everything in culture tells you that's how the world works. Where will the intervening conception come from? It has to come from uh, from ex- from talking to people who you have a shared experience with, and we don't do that anymore. We can't. It's not even a choice. It's not something that our day-to-day lives accommodate or or can invo- can assimilate. But just don't. I hate ending on a terrifyingly depressing note. <laughs> 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 Let's see this one. How is he gonna reel it back in? <laughs> the way I reel it back in, and the thing is, I, I, this is what freaks people out when I say this. It's because they think, shit. Well, then we're fucked because where else could it come from? We are still human beings, you know. We do still live lives. We still still have struggle. We do still know each other. And conditions change. The conditions of our lives change. Not ne- not for the better, but they change. And those changing conditions create, in every moment, new opportunities for people to come together in little tesseracts and little little fractals and then to generate new understanding of the world that they can operate from. And it to say it can't come from the media is liberatory. It means you can consume media as it's meant to be consumed, as entertainment, not fraught with the idea that it's going to somehow change the world depending on which thing you click on, which thing you choose to believe. That's going to come from sparks flying around you, not in the ether of your media consumption.
2: So like I said, the Dr. Manhattan Trump memes, uh, arm them digital soldiers, we're heading out to battle. Uh, at Kushbomb is your Twitter, and mm-hmm. they can find Chapo Trap House, obviously wherever the podcasts are. And mm-hmm. how do people get into the Kush Vlog? I know there's like a live schedule, but then they also get archived?
4: They're all archived on YouTube. Uh, that's probably the easiest place to see them, So, because I don't have a set schedule, and it's it's kind of when I have time and... And I can sit down, but they all end up on YouTube uh, at our uh, Chapo Chapos. And please subscribe to the YouTube page because our poor producer, Chris, he puts them all on there. He edits them, and he really wants uh, this thing that you get from YouTube when you have 100,000 subscribers. It's a big award shaped like the YouTube arrow. (laughs) It's like like a curio, like a a paperweight or something. He really wants one. So, so, uh, so subscribe to the YouTube page. Yeah, help them build some sort of curio
2: museum uh, for, for Trap House fans. Yes. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to plug? Avatar. Watch it again. It's really good. Yeah, go rewatch Avatar. You can listen to the uh, the Chapo episode about that, which Pre- was a good time as well.
1: Prepare your bodies and minds for when the vaccines hits That's and right. Avatar two, oh, uh, and oh. three uh, usher us out of every these. Every tentacle times. in every
2: hole. It's going to rule, man. I can't wait to dock with every person I meet just in the street.
4: We're gonna uh, we're gonna, we're all gonna be coming out of that theater docking. Space docking our way to freedom. Uh, yeah, I just, just... docking tongues in each other's I bodies. just
1: want to find some other Americans uh, with shared life experience that I can commit uh, <laughs> Zahelu uh, with... <laughs> and yeah, 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 absolutely. We can connect our t- our ponytails together and have a better understanding, and maybe things won't be so bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it.
2: Thanks so much for coming on again. It's always a pleasure, Matt. Yeah, great time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month to get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent. We usually stream twice a week at twitch.tv slash anonymous, And for everything else, we have QAnonAnonymous.com, where you'll find merch, a link to our Discord, access to the lost episodes, etc. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish
0: bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's cue One. In societies where modern conditions of production prevail, Life is presented as an immense accumulation of spectacles. Everything that was directly lived has receded into a representation. 2. The images detached from every aspect of life merge into a common stream, in which the unity of that life can no longer be recovered. Fragmented views of reality regroup themselves into a new unity as a separate pseudo-world that can only be looked at. The specialization of images of the world has culminated in a world of autonomized images, where even the deceivers are deceived. The spectacle is a concrete inversion of life, an autonomous movement of the non-living. Three, the spectacle presents itself simultaneously as society itself, as a part of society, and as a means of unification. As a part of society, it is ostensibly the focal point of all vision and all consciousness. But due to the very fact that this sector is separate, it is in reality the domain of delusion and false consciousness. The unification it achieves is nothing but an official language of universal separation. 4. The spectacle is not a collection of images. It is a social relation between people that is mediated by images. 5. The spectacle cannot be understood as a mere visual excess produced by mass media technologies. It is a worldview that has actually been materialized, that has become an objective reality. 6. Understood in its totality, the spectacle is both the result and the project of the present mode of production. It is not a mere supplement or decoration added to the real world. It is the heart of this real society's unreality. In all of its particular manifestations, news, propaganda, advertising, entertainment, the spectacle is the model of the prevailing way of life. It is the omnipresent affirmation of the choices that have already been made in the sphere of production, and in the consumption implied by that production. In both form and content, the spectacle serves as a total justification of the conditions and goals of the existing system. The spectacle is also the constant presence of this justification, since it monopolizes the majority of the time spent outside the modern production process. The Society of the Spectacle by Guy Debord.